All right, we are recording. Here we go. Three, two, one. We're live. Shane Bruno, welcome to the hive, buddy. What's up, man? I've been trying to get you on here for a while. Life's complicated when you have three kids. Three kids, two barber shops. Yeah, a little it's busy. Crazy. Don't fall asleep while we're talking. I know. This is probably the most time you'll have sitting down all week. Yep. It's actually <laughs> relaxing right now. <laughs> So Shane, we know each other from you working out here with me, but also because you have the best barbershop around. Thank you. You keep me pretty. Thank you. Or at least I think I'm pretty. So I don't know. You never take photos of me when I get my hair cut. So you don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> the white and the beard is not that photogenic. Oh, thanks a lot. I had somebody I haven't seen in a while. I saw him yesterday and he's like, dude, what happened? I'm like, what? He goes, your beard. I'm like, I know, man. It's white. It's what happens. You know, having... having uh, my son, I guess he's aging me here, or I'm just actually getting older, but whatever, is what it is. Yo, tell him about your shop while we're at it, because I, I want to go into your shop a little bit, but the name of your shop, where it's at, let people know. Yeah, man, with Swagger and Blade, our first location is in uh, Ocean Township on uh, Wicapeco Drive in Wanamassa. Wanamassa is a borough in Ocean Township, and uh, I've opened that one coming up on seven years now, and I opened a little two-chair shop, started out by myself. Um, just because I love to do what I do, I love being a barber, and never uh, had the ambition to take it to the level that it is. If it went, if it went there, cool. You really didn't have ambition like I, that. I mean, I had ambition to keep the business growing and moving, but I never got into it off the rip to have two barber shops and and be where I'm at right now. I just was comfortable with opening a small little shop and see where it was going to go. Because as long as I've known you, which is a while now, I don't know. I haven't known you for seven years, but I've known you for a while. Yeah. I've never gotten the impression that your intention was not to go big. Like you are a guy. When you talk about what you do, it clearly comes across that you're very passionate about it, and it and you need to do more with it. Yeah. You you do not someone to sit in right. one chair in a small shop and be satisfied. Uh, you could be probably. And you probably will. You probably will want that at some point when well, your empire is so big. I'll tell big, you why <laughs> I didn't think that. I didn't think big the where where I'm at now because I didn't know if I was going to be able to find passionate people the way as passionate as I am about it. So I figured I would have to train that, and that's exactly what I did. So off the rip, I wasn't like I'm gonna have two locations, five chairs in one, four in another, and I'm gonna have each one filled with a guy just as passionate as I am. I knew that that's what I wanted. I would have liked to seen it go there, but the reality of finding that is like, you know what? I'm just going to start with two chairs, and my next goal is to find one guy as passionate as I am. That's pretty much the story of every entrepreneur and every business I've ever come across that's successful. We yeah. all have the same story. Yeah. When we start, it's our passion gets us involved, and it's our drive, our passion, our skill that's doing it. And then you want to go bigger, but then trying to figure out how. The first obstacle is how do I find people that have – skills and passion to match what I'm trying to do right. so that my customer is going to be serviced the way we want to be serviced, that my everything is what I want it to be. Like I my always, vision is yeah. fully fulfilled the way I want it. I always tell them the guys that work for me when they come along, if you're getting into this for the money, it's not for you. It's not for you. You got to be in it because you're passionate about it. This is what you want to do. If you're doing anything that's a passion-driven project, the minute you start getting into the money mindset, you start compromising on your passion and yeah. your principles and then you get lost. Yeah. And then there's that point where you lose it all and you got to come back and start over again. Yeah. So if, yeah. if you forget about the money and just stay good and yeah. stay passionate and your drive, the money comes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I watch, 
I, it, you're a really unique character because <laughs> not everybody is like seeing you here. You're a big dude. You used to be a professional boxer. You know, you're an army veteran, tattooed off out the gills. You know, yeah. chopper driving, big bearded. You know, dude who's probably cracked a few skulls over the years and yep. done his thing. But you have this insane creative side. Like I, I've had conversations with you. You're like, look, your gym. What I would do is, you give me ten grand. This is exactly what I would do. But you were so thorough in your details, yeah. and it wasn't little details. Like it wasn't just big general details. You were like, like this is the screw that I would use to put this post in this area yeah. and use this kind of rope, and I would do this. Like you have a very creative mind, but it's very detail oriented as well. Uh, it's just it's you're an interesting combination of things. Yeah. I mean, for me, the reason I identify with that too. I mean, I have an art degree. Yeah. I'm just, just, went to college for painting and I end up having a career in fighting you know yeah. it's crazy it's funny I had someone say to me the other day they were like how the hell did you get into fighting from art I'm like well you get called an art fag just enough times <laughs> you gotta start defending yourself <laughs> so Shane's kind of laughing but not because he doesn't want the PC police to kill us right now <laughs> I don't care man say whatever you want here all right, it's all cool. good no one gives a shit you can curse say I whatever I guess the, the art the art and uh, like I can look at something and space and see the potential in it. Yep. Like whether it's someone's messed up dome, I could be like, all right, you're you're an eight at best if you have a great haircut. You're really a five, <laughs> but I can make you an eight. So you're a builder. Yeah. So when I look at space, like that one master shop, when I looked inside, I saw a store for rent, and I looked at how skinny and narrow the space was. It did. It wasn't appealing to me, but I pulled over because I was, you know, in the hunt for for a space, and I'm like, let me just see what this is about. I walk in, I put my hands to the window, and I look inside, and it looked like the Alice in Wonderland mm. box, you know, that room yeah. that we're. I was like, oh my god, there's no way. And there was a door halfway through the 500, not even 425 square foot that blocked half of it off. So immediately, my mind's like, all right, I'll knock that wall out. Let me see what that's got. I'll put this here. I'll do that. I'll hang this there. I could do that. Okay, I could probably make the space work, depending upon what the price point is. Called the landlord. I was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm at your 1411 Wicopeco location. It's for rent. How many square foot is this? Oh, yeah, it's 420, you know, 20, 25 square foot. I'm like, all right, cool. What's the rent? He's like, well, let me come down there. It's deceiving, and uh, you could see the rest. So he comes down. He lived around the corner. He was there in 10 minutes. He opens the door. I went in. We went to the door where I saw the wall. He opened that up, and then I had another half a store. So I'm like, all right, cool. That's exactly what I saw. I saw me knocking this wall out. Da, da, da. So anyway, I was like, how much is the rent? He's like, it's the X, Y, and Z. I'm like, cool, I'll take it. Because <laughs> I saw the potential in it. Of and then course. once I found out what the rent was, I'm like, Pfft. Yeah. All a right. space like that, I mean, I'm not going to say it's free, but it's almost free compared to the big spaces that right. you can get tied up in. Right. I've seen, I mean, there was one guy, I'm not going to throw names out, but there was somebody even in Asbury who was an okay guy, yeah. but he had a space that was way too big. Yeah. Didn't have enough people to fill enough no chairs matter what to you're pay doing, the damn rent. Brick and mortar wise, you got to keep your overhead super low off, yep. the, off the beginning. Yeah, that's why I'm lucky to have the space that I have because yeah. what I'm paying per square foot here justifies itself major, you know, so I can do what I got to do. But that's the kind of stuff that if you have the ability to see that in a practical way, that's such an advantage because, again, you could have all the passion you want, all the purpose you want, but if you don't temper it with practicality, mm -hmm. it could be a really pretty nice opening yeah. and then long term it doesn't work. I mean, you're seven years in, you've already opened your second shop and you just redid the first shop. Yeah. And 
again, it's just that part of what I've enjoyed the most is just seeing, I hear you talk about different things and then see you implement. It's just really cool because, again, the details, like your shop in Asbury, just the little things. Everything from the pictures to the books on the shelves to the reclaimed wood that you found to your tiles to all this stuff. Like, you really thought it through. You weren't like, okay, I'm not just going to put down a chair and cut hair. Right. Like, I'm going to make a space. And you made a space that people feel really cool being in besides just getting a haircut. It feels like a place that you want to go and get your haircut and, like, hang out. It's like real man's place you know you know what it's just barbershops pizzerias look we ain't doing anything new no right we're 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 doing what someone and the profession has done for a long time it's how you do it how you present your pizza in the environment that it's in and along with the quality so my barbershop i'm not doing anything different but i'm going to do it on my angle and my spin attention to detail so when you walk in you get overloaded with attention to detail. So that automatically tells the client, if you've never been there and it's your first time here, that says, okay, whoever built this knows what they're doing and there's attention to detail. So I'm thinking I might get a good haircut. And the funny part is a lot of people spend a lot of money to have other people create spaces like that. But the beauty of your place is you designed it, you built it, you created it, every aspect of it. It's you, Yeah, which is cool. And it's, you know, it reaps my, my, uh, you know, my soul, you know, like, look, there's every, I'm not saying that, you know, really nice, meticulous, beautiful barbershops with marble and, you know, cherry wood is, isn't it, that's their style. That's, that's what they do. Yeah. It's cool. You know, but you know, my, my shop is like, you know, it is what it is. It's like that old school uh, feel with modern technique and we ride motorcycles and we're tattooed and we love what we're doing and it's just cool. And you get all kind of. It's funny too because you don't just get people like yourself no, coming through. You have everyone. Welcome. Listen, we everyone. Get everybody. Black, Spanish, Jewish, you know, all races, all um, you know, uh, all economic levels, yeah. everything, all looks, all everything. Architects, land, uh, landscapers, you know, restaurant people, you know, everybody wants to feel good, man. Did Did you? So when did you know as a person that this attention to detail side, is this something you always had or is this something somebody pulled out of you? Like, how did you get to this place where, A, you have the confidence, B, you have the vision, you know, you've connected with this passion, purpose, skill, all this stuff. Like, when did you see that? Um, I guess it was my upbringing. My father was a a meticulous bastard. (laughs) (laughs) What did he do? He was a truck driver and a mason by trade. Uh, so he was in art, he, he was, he was an artist through blocks and bricks and cement, you know, he created patios and, 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 um, pools he put in and ground pools. So since a young guy, my father was a workaholic. He drove a truck Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, he lined up side jobs, you know? So he would be like, yo, put your boots on tomorrow morning. We're leaving the house at 6 a.m. And then a dump truck would duck, dump two truck, two tons of stone out front of house. And my father would give me a wheelbarrow and a shovel and be like, all right, I need that pile of stone back here. Was that something you ever went through a period where you resented that? I did. I did because there was a lot of kids hanging out on their BMX bikes on the weekends and, you know, just being kids. And my father was like, you're coming with me to work. And it wasn't it wasn't a debate. That, it, that's what you, you had doing. no choice. Right. That dad said, I'm not you're asking doing it. you. Yeah, you said that's you. what's going on. So, you know, at a young age, there was a little bit of resentment there for sure. And but you know what my father did? He paid me like a man. You know, I worked my balls off from 7 a.m. 
and we would basically sun up to sundown. My father left the job when he couldn't see anymore. So, you know, and he paid me like a man, whether it be a hundred bucks cash for the day, you know, and at 12 years old. Yeah. You know, you're a millionaire. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is a real hundred dollar bill. I'm looking at it every which way with sideways. But, you know, he knew that I worked my ass off and he was hard on me, but he taught me the value of a dollar at a young age. So, you know, I was 12 years old and I was like buying my friends cookies at, (laughs) at lunch and shit during the week. And, you know, when I was 14, I had money in my wallet and I had money in my in, in my shoebox in my room that I saved it in. And, you know, he always said, listen, nothing is going to be handed to you in life. You yep. got to get it. You got to go get it. And if you want it, hard work is going to get you that. Never complain about it because you never know when you're not going to have it. So it resonated with me. So that's where the meticulous side, my dad was very meticulous with the way he built things and constructed things. So I'm grateful for that. And my mother was a hairstylist. She was, she had her own beauty parlor. And before she did that, she worked at a couple. And uh, I think I got my art through her indirectly without knowing. And then I think I got my business sense by sitting at the kitchen table, just eating dinner and talking about my dad, talking about his side businesses and my mom talking about her business and it was just being fed into my ear without me knowing I didn't have an interest in it then and then when did you go to the army uh 94 to 98 how did you get what inspired you to go to the military my dad got me a union job driving a forklift and I got fired because I fell asleep in the fucking <laughs> the plant almost burnt down and I was so terrified to go home and tell him I got fired from the union job that he got me that I went to an army recruiter well I went to a recruiting office where there was marines army navy and I was sitting in the hallway. Everybody was out to lunch. And the first one that came back was Army recruiter. And he, he reached out. He's like, what's up, soldier? I had two earrings in my ear. Oh I thought who God. I was. I was on my street bike. And I just stopped in. And I'm like, soldier, who's he talking about? So he sucked me right in. You know, he saw that, you know, I was a little bit of a, you know, I had a, I had a chip on my shoulder a little bit. So he's like, take your tough. And I was like, yeah, I do. I know I'm tough. <laughs> Kick your ass. <laughs> he's like let me put this video in let me see what you feel about it so he put in a video to airborne dudes jumping out of plane so i figured if i'm going to join the military i want to do something high speed so sign me up and i need to get out of here fast because as soon as i tell my father i got fired from this union job he's gonna kick my ass oh my god that's really <laughs> funny i didn't know that yeah i that. went home and told my parents i got good news and bad news so they're like what's the bad news i'm like i got fired from my job what's the good news i joined the army <laughs> were they happy no they were not my mother my mother was upset it was peacetime though because the uh, the first iraq war just had come to an end yes and so and the cold war is closed the cold war is over um you know so it wasn't there were some hot spots in the world but i didn't even know what all that stuff was at that time so my mother was at that time concerned. you just didn't want your dad whooping yeah your i just was you know me and my father had a tumultuous relationship growing up so i just needed to get out of the house because it was bad so i figured you know let me see what i what i got let me see what my guts are about so it, it sounds like, though, what your dad did with you served you well in the military, too. It did. But I had a problem with dudes telling me what to do. I was just going to say, you probably had a problem with someone telling you what to do. Like, if you couldn't kick my ass, then you ain't fucking telling me what to do. And there wasn't a lot of people at that time that was kicking my ass. My, my mom opened up her first shop in 86, and I was 12 years old. And I had to work pretty much every free moment of my life in that shop. Yeah. And I bought my first car with my own money. Bought it with cash. Yeah. I bought a Jeep Wrangler with cash. Me too. I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I bought that fucker with cash, yeah. and I felt was, good. That was the yeah. 
best purchase to this day. It's probably the best purchase. I, I, the most proud purchase I've made in my life. It was just one of those ones where like, you know, the effort paid off, but absolutely kids that came up that way. Yeah. We have the fuck you to authority. In yeah. Us. Like it's really hard to have people tell you what to do when through all your developmental years, when you know, you have you can, a, someone telling you what to do. Yeah. And when you know that you have the ability to produce, uh, an income for yourself and you have the ability, a survival instinct, so to speak, yeah. You know, you can, you know, it also builds a bad character because you could also say, you know, fuck you, I'm leaving, I'm going to go find something else before you actually have something lined up. I do that all yeah. the time. I'm terminally unemployable. I, I, I cannot, I really, I, I know, I know it with me. Like yeah. I, if I can't, if I can't fully flesh out what it is I want to do or you're getting in the yeah. way of it, I can't work with you. Yeah. I can work with people. I have a hard time working for people. I always have. But I, again, I totally relate it back to early years really dominant situation on the work had to work had to had to had to i I tell a story i I told one of the other podcasts i used to sit on the school bus and i used to look at people in cars and i was so jealous yeah i felt like Like, i was in prison how do i have the freedom to drive wherever i want i don't want to be on this bus anymore i'm going to prison this is awful i have to Mm. sit there and be told what to do all day then i have to bring shit home i have to do Mm. this is ridiculous this is bullshit i want my freedom that was where and that's why when i had my freedom you know then forget it and then you connect with what you want i mean you've you've definitely led an interesting life i've had an opportunity to live a lot an interesting life and a lot of it comes as a as a reaction to that feeling of almost being held back to like they're molding you and trying to make you into something and then people with an entrepreneurial spirit need to break out of that and then mm-hmm. you go do whatever i mean for me i got lucky i could travel around the world three times you it's know? weird I, I even in high school and elementary school i had you know that I was so diagnosed with some kind of learning disability everybody you know thought that there was a learning disability going on what it was was it was chaos in my home you yeah. know what i mean like my dad was just an angry tough dude and he didn't take shit from nobody and i was his punching bag and i was his you know <laughs> unfortunately i was you know it was a vicious circle so i'm not saying that you to be successful in life you need a dad that's going to kick your ass all the time but my dad told me you know you're fucking stupid and if you don't you know think with your head before situations you're going to end up dead or in jail and i'm telling you right now so i constantly heard that so i rebelled against it and it created this you know, I'll show him attitude. And unfortunately, it pushed me to where I am today, to my success. You know, I didn't want to hear him. I didn't want to give him that. I told you, I told you, you were going to be a fuck up, you know, because when I got fired from that forklift job, he was like, I fucking knew it. I knew it. And you got to let that shit go. Yeah, you do. You can't carry that around. I did for a long time. And, you know, obviously it, it, it resonated with me in my life for a long time until I was so tired of it so tired of it and that leads me and i was gonna touch on this eventually and it it led me to my relationship with jesus christ now and he had taken he took that burden off me he took that weight he took that that heavy yoke a yoke is 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 a tool that oxen used to um they used to put it on the top of oxen and when yoke uh when one ox was stronger than another it would it wouldn't go straight Right. Yeah. So when Christ takes that yoke off you, he evenly yokes you so that you can plow the rest of your life straight, even without that burden. So, yeah, it's just awesome. That's what that's what took that from me. And that's what really helped me in my business as well. You know, when I was able to uh, put all that down. 
I can honestly say I saw a huge shift in you. I can't. I don't know the timeline. I can't be honest. The timeline, maybe a year ago. My life's been such a whirlwind. Maybe a year and a half ago, you were going through. You were just like in a weird. Like you were a little angrier than yeah. normal. Yeah. And then you made everything was bothering you. Yeah. And then everything wasn't. Like you really let go a lot of shit. Like you could just see it. Like literally in like a week's time, you went from being like really on edge to I'm good. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it just comes to the things that you've connected with that have found that path for you. It's awesome. I mean, you've you've found out you found uh I mean it's a struggle. Yeah. This this balance shit's a struggle, man. I deal with it every damn day myself. We all do. Yeah. I think one of the coolest parts about having these conversations with people. Same conversation, different arena, every time. Yeah. It's relationships with people, embracing the truth about ourselves and being confident in that, and then connecting with things that shine that light on us that allows us to let go of the baggage that we were carrying, mm. that allows us to really mature into the people that we are. And now it's like, even the success we've found to this point, we're still young guys. There's so much more to be achieved. Yeah. And there's so it just can get so much deeper and better. And you and I both, the the wife thing, forget it. Like having a good family, that's for me, my wife is the one that identifying that my wife had this this love without expectation for me. Like she just loved me for me and there was no expectation from it. She just was honest with me, yeah. totally changed my relationship with people in general. Like I was able to trust people because my wife trusted me. Yeah. And then my kid, forget it. Yeah. My kid, like he, he ruined oh, me. Yeah. Ruined me. I'm such a pussy now. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> he my, broke me. My kids, the oh. same. My daughter, my sons. Um, you know, my father, going back to my upbringing with him, you know, it was the 80s, man. Things were different. Totally different. But, you know, our fathers didn't, they didn't, I, I embrace my son. I tell him I love yep. him. I encourage him. I just love having him in my arms and playing with him. You know, my father wasn't a bad dude because he didn't do that, but he didn't put his arm around me telling me he loved me. His our, way of saying he loved me was I put, you know, clothes on your back, food on the table, I'm, and I'm paying a mortgage in the house you live in. So I love you. But our parents, <laughs> but our parents, you know, they didn't do the things they did that may have caused issues for us on purpose. They're doing the best they could with the information they had at the time. You can't take it out of context. You gotta remember, it's like, yeah, it's the 80s, 70s, 80s, totally different time. Look at who their parents were. Look at who their parents were. Like, you got like people coming out of um, depression mentality into a war mentality, into right. another upheaval in war and social movement mentality into the 80s. And the 80s were a weird time too, man. The 80s yeah. was like a really selfish time and it yeah. was an economic time. And it was, you know, we had a big enemy that we all focused on. I was talking to somebody about that last night, how we don't have enemies in today's world, and that's why we're eating each other alive. Like, us growing up, we had the Cold War. Mm. We had this big... I used to have dreams. I used to have a dream that I was on the baseball field, and all of a sudden, like, a swarm of helicopters would come over, and they said, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. I had weird shit like that would happen when in my youth, I mean, teenagers, like, crazy. Red Dawn fucked me up. Yeah. I watched it too many times. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, like, there's... I was wondering, where, how, how's it going to get... How is it going to huddle up enough batteries to, to make it? You know? <laughs> But the thing is, like, there's like, it's different now. It's a totally different time now. Uh, we have the freedom. We don't have the. We don't have as many demons as a lot of times before. We have the freedom to go a little bit deeper. I mean, shit. You remember. You remember uh, pay phones and yeah. all that too. I mean, yeah. think about how much time we save just because of technology now. Yeah. That we have the freedom to go a little bit deeper that our parents didn't. They had yeah. to do everything by hand. Yeah. That is true. My mom's shop, when she opened it up, it was handwritten receipts. Yeah. Now I got this big-ass computer system, you know, like yeah. crazy. But it's, it's just different times. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. I guess part of growing up is you, you have to figure these things out, and you gotta let a lot of it go because they didn't do it, none of they didn't do it on purpose. And we're gonna do shit that's gonna fuck our kids up. Yeah. You're gonna do your best not to, and hopefully they figure that out at some point. But we're gonna fuck it up at some point. Sure. You're gonna say something to your son one day. <laughs> And you're going to think it was a throwaway comment, and he's going to hold on to it for 10 years. Yep. And then he's going to come to you and say, do you remember when you said that? And you're probably not going to remember it. Right. And you're going to go, oh, shit. And then you're going to realize the impact we have. It is what it is. It's the hand-me-down of these generations, man. But it makes us who we are. And the way I look at it as, if you're happy with where you are today, none of it's bad. Because yeah. it's all the foundation that we build whatever it is we're going to build off of. Yeah. I pray every day that I could be a better man than I, could, than I was the day before. That's the goal, to wake up every day, to contribute to um, society, to your life, to your family, to strangers. That's the most important thing, you know, is how you treat someone that you don't even know. Yep. That you don't even know. How can you pay it forward? There's how that, can you help somebody? There's that, that phrase, I don't know who can be, can be attached to it, but I heard this one once before. It's who you really are is who you are when you're alone. And in a lot of ways, who you are is who you are with people you don't know. Yeah. How you treat people. Because a lot of people will take advantage of someone they don't know because they're like, I'm never see this guy again. Right. Fuck him. But the person that has charity and compassion and empathy for everyone has its totally different I used different to be response. like that. I used to be the completely opposite. I used to, I mean, not care about people that I didn't know and like, get out of my way. It's all about me. I'm, yeah. I'm in my mission. I'm on my way, you know? And, uh, you know, things and, and situations in life happen. Me was that motorcycle accident. It was my come to Jesus moment. And literally, you know, literally, <laughs> um, you know, in my awakening, it didn't happen overnight in that hospital, but it that's what set it all off in motion. And, um, you know, and, and I just I love being a person who does does have uh, compassion, does care, does listen to people that need help. Um, and it it, it 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 makes me feel better as a person. I had Dr. Mike on here. Mike's a physical therapist that he trains with me, but he works on a lot of the guys here too. And he goes, he went to Haiti after they got crushed with some natural disaster, which one, I mean, they've been hit with so many, but he went down there with a Catholic charity and he said he felt guilty. And I was like, why do you feel guilty? You're doing good things. He goes, but I'm really going because it makes me feel so good doing this good for these people. And he was having a hard time reconciling how good he felt from helping these people. He's like, am I helping them? Am I helping me? I don't really know what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, helping people is so satisfying. It is a, there's a selfish joy that comes from it, but it's not really selfish because you're being, it, it's a balance of selfish and selfless. Right. You're doing, I guess it comes down to the intent and the motivation. If you're truly doing it to help other people and the benefit for you is there, that's one thing. But if you're really only doing it for you, I guess it could be a bad thing, but that's kind of hard to do. I, I feel yeah. that it's the intent. This whole thing with Christianity, I'm not a religious person, and you know that. Like, I'm not a big religious guy, but I do understand the value of it, and I respect it, and I appreciate it. And when I see people that are better because of their connection to it, I'm all for it. I, have, I don't have complaints. My only complaint is the division aspect of I'm it. I'm not religious. What are you then? I have a relationship. There you go. I actually like that more. There is. I like that more. Yeah, I. That I am. I'm a Christian man who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. I like that. I actually. That's really good. And that's that's it. I don't. I don't believe. You gave me something I got to think about. Right <laughs> now. I got to think a little bit because you got me on that one. Yeah. That was good. I do like that a lot. That's pretty fucking deep. That's just a switch of a word. Listen, and when you first start dating your wife, right? Yeah. And you, you're starting a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So as you get to know each other, 
you're talking um, maybe when you first met, you're talking every other day. And then it goes into maybe you're talking once a day. And as you're spending more time with that person, you're developing uh, a relationship. So you're developing feelings. So maybe something that you would have done to someone else, you don't want to do to her because you're spending time with her, correct? Yes. Yes. So that's called building a relationship. So my relationship with Jesus Christ is evolved to a place where I don't want to be the guy I used to be because now I have a relationship with him and I don't want to uh, I don't want to hurt that I don't want to see him upset with me so leading a more godly life how he would want me to live is because I don't want to upset our relationship not because a religion said I need to okay if you do this you could say 12 of these prayers and you're good yeah, I, I had a priest that I was that I, I was friends with, and we used to have a lot of intellectual debates about religion and God and whatnot. And he gave me this book. It was called Shambhala, the way to out of spiritual materialism, mm-hmm. and it was a book written by a Buddhist. And this Catholic priest completely embraced it and like recommended it for a lot of people because the one thing that it talks about, and is that you can't own religion like currency, and you can't use it against people. It's like the little old lady. He said to me, and it was really funny, he goes, do you know the little old lady in church that stands up a couple seconds before everyone else? I was like, how'd you know? And he goes, well, because every church has one. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, she's trying to show she's more Christian than you are because yeah. she knows you know, the, the protocol better. But yeah. she actually lost the battle because she's using the protocol like currency to show that she's a better Christian. So she's one of the people that's falling into the trap that's thinking she's better and she's judging people because of it. And that's not the point. No. So if you don't have an intention of being a better human because you want to be a better human instead of being better because you're afraid of God's wrath. That's where a lot of people fall off. Well, so you, God knows that heart. And to inherit the kingdom of God, you can't do good works. So you can't just be, a, a, you can't do good works to inherit his house. So if a junkie on the street that you didn't know was shooting dope and stole from every family member, would you let him stay the night in your house with your family and your kids? Yeah. No. No. So as people... If God knows your heart is got a wicked intent to it, why would he let you inherit the kingdom for eternity? Dalai Lama said this in a lecture once. Dalai Lama said, at the end of your day, when you go in front of whatever it is you believe in, because he was speaking to multitude of religions. And he says, mm-hmm. we all believe that we're going to go somewhere, except Buddhists, we believe we're going to keep coming back. But he's like, you're going to go to the next level. And there's going to be an entity that you believe. Do you really think it's like going to court and you can talk your way out of it? It knows all the answers. Right. You've Your life is you. Mm-hmm. You're exposed. There's no talking around it. Your intent, your purpose, all of it is very clear. And that speaks directly to what you were saying. And that's, that's, those are the, the, the things that, if you, for me, those are the great, the, the really deep takeaways that I get from world religions in a lot of ways. And I, that relationship idea, I'm just, again, I'm going to, Think about we'll that a little more bit more. That <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, your relationship with whatever you believe to be the higher power is really, it's a connection to something greater. And that yeah. helps us get through a lot of troubled times. And sure. You've, had your, you've yeah. had your struggles, you know, and you've had to get over some hurdles like yeah. we all have. And yeah, I've got a good friend right now who woke up and realized that he was having a, a little bit of a dependency issue. And the, the, It's funny. It goes back to psychology, too. Psychology has a big thing coming out right now. They're really going deep into it. They're finding that they can cure most addictions by just connecting people with other people. The idea of being connected, that a lot of people end up 
having dependency issues because they get to a point where they feel disconnected, they feel alone, they feel like they're the only one, there's no one else can share the struggle, and so yeah. they... That's the backbone of NA and AA. Yeah. yeah. And but literally, just connecting people with people, it's, instead mm-hmm. of saying, you know, you have a problem, they're saying, take away the problem aspect and just say, you're human. This is how we function most effectively and try and put them in a better environment. And a lot of people's brain chemistry is literally turning around by just interacting with people differently. It's a crazy, mm-hmm. it's a crazy world we live in, man, on our bodies and how we interact and everything. That's why for me, the biggest one is how do we behave as humans in line with what a human is instead of like fighting nature? You really do have to, you have to go within our natural state. You can't fight it without having some kind of problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be who you are and do the right stuff. That's why you, you've got to sleep and you've got to eat and you've got to drink and you've got to, like, take care of stuff and you've got to stay connected. One thing I always say with people is if you take a human being and you put him alone long enough, he goes crazy. We need connection. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, well, it's funny. It goes right back to the beginning of this. As an entrepreneur, the hardest, scariest part is how do I trust another human being to help me grow this? Mm-hmm. If you don't trust another human being to grow this – Eventually, you're going to go nuts as a business owner and lose your business. Right. Um, How did you find the ability to trust people when your passion and purpose was that strong? um, A ground-up training, uh, taking a guy from... Boot camp. Boot camp. See, when I hire someone to be a barber, I, believe it or not, would rather invest two years in training that person that knows nothing about cutting hair if I know that his core, his core, his person is good because I can train skill, but I can't train you not to be a shitty person. Yes. So if your core is messed up and you're a dope barber, that's not the shop. My shop's not the shop for you. Yeah. The parallel on this one is crazy. I have same shit training fighters yeah i had i have one kid in particular over the last year we worked with and he wanted to fight because he thought fighting would solve the problem that he had with himself and i said no you have to solve the problem with yourself so that you can fight so he went on like a three fight losing streak because he kept thinking that if he won everybody would change how they view him which would change how he's interacting with the world and would make everything better and i was like you got it ass backwards dude You've got to figure out yourself and your relationships and all that before you get in there because this is going to be the hardest thing you do. Another human being is going to try and kill you and you've got to have the strength and the courage and the fortitude to get through that and you're not going to have it if you're trying to achieve this weird abstract thing that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And that's why, again, the core of somebody, their level of understanding is the foundation in which you can build that skill. Yes. You can teach that person. You can teach skill. You can teach the, the trade. Like like a fighter, um, you know, there's a guy. See, it goes back to the past. And you've thing. boxed too, yeah, so you I understand box, this. I know. The parallels in this you get. If you, No matter what you do in life, uh, if you don't love it, absolutely love it, you can train and you will become good at it because anybody can train and become good at something. But there's going to be a guy or a gal to the left or to the right of you that is that loves what they do. And they are going to do the same training that you're doing, but they are going to go farther leaps yeah. and bounds because they love it. They're going to die before they quit. 
right. while you're looking for a way out because you're not really into it right. at some point. So Jake is one of my barbers. When I had first opened, I was cutting by myself, and he had he's like, hey, man, I've been cutting his hair a couple of cuts, and he's a super dope artist. So um, he, he brought me this blank skateboard deck, and he on the back of it, he drew the – he painted on this dope barber pole with a razor blade, and it was like a cartoon character. And, and I was like, what? It looked like a tattoo, like a dope tattoo. And I'm like – and he's a bartender in Asbury. I was like, dude, what are you doing bartending? And I was like, you need to either be a tattooer or a barber. Yeah. And he was like, light bulb went up. Boom, 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 boom. He's one of my dopest barbers right now. That's the mentoring process that I love the most too. When you can, when you cannot, it, it's, when you can see something in someone that they haven't seen and you can see that light bulb go off and you can be the part of helping them evolve to where they really were meant to be. Mm-hmm. They're just, they don't have the courage or the vision for it. Mm-hmm. That's one of those really fulfilling moments. I mean, Carl and I, I keep going back to Carl when I talk about fighting because I didn't even like Carl when he came through the door in my gym. <laughs> I hoped he didn't come back. And we had a fight, and I really didn't want him to come back because there was a lot of quit in him. And then I made him look at his quit one day, and then he got it. And then our relationship really started at that point. And we, I mad at me for wanting him to leave. I actually still hold anger against myself for wanting him to leave because I could have missed the talent that he is. Yeah. And that lesson right there was don't overlook anybody without testing them first. Like I just was whatever, instead of really testing them and really finding out. And then when I found out, I was like, wow, I, uh, I need to pay attention. And so now I really pay attention and I test people and I'm, and it's honest that way. If I test them and they fail, it's like, look, this may not be for you, but if, they come out the other side and they prove that they have the opportunity. I'm like, look, you have this opportunity. And then the next one is, is it an opportunity that they really want? And if they really want it and we go for it together, we're cool. And then we develop a, you know, a good, stable relationship to, to grow on. Yeah. You know, that mentoring people is, is really fulfilling. It's fulfilling. It's frustrating because it's the hardest know, thing in the world. You're taking someone from, you know, that knows absolutely nothing about what you're trying to teach them everything that you know uh, that they need to know and uh you know patience it teaches you patience it teaches you perseverance um but it's also rewarding you're right man it's very (laughs) rewarding yeah it's and i think the trust part when you can mentor somebody it really allows us to learn how to trust and trusting the right people and investing that's really where the real deep satisfaction in life comes from yeah. having the courage to trust people yeah. and to give of yourself to people. And I give without expectation. I used to always have expectation and I always wondered why everything flamed out horribly. It's because I always thought that there was a, I don't know. It was weird. I just thought there was like a value to what I was giving and I needed to get it back, but I wasn't giving it in a way that resonated that actually deserved anything back. And I really had to learn how to be a better teacher. Mm. Um, That's just, you know, 20 years of teaching people. You have to learn when you're young and dumb and no one taught you how to do it right. You fuck up a lot (laughs) and then you grow up and you lose some things and you get some things and things go Right. right, wrong and indifferent and hopefully you figure it out. And I was fortunate enough to get to a better place with it. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. The minute I feel like I've got it, I'm done and I'm dead. Yeah. I can't. I can't allow myself to to ever have the arrogance to say I've got it. 
Right. And you do continuing education. You're one of the best barbers I've ever known, and you still go to classes. Absolutely, man. I mean, there's as an artist and entrepreneur, you just never get to a level where you're like, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I don't, I'm, I don't want to learn anymore. I'm going to shut this down. I'm good right here. Hell no, man. I mean, I'm constantly learning. I learn from from even my new guys. If they if I see them grab a tool and they just do something a little tweak it a little different, uh, and I'll try it, and I'll be like, wow, I'm going to do that like that now. And that was from a guy that I taught. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the beauty of uh, of not boxing yourself off in life. Yes. You could have an ego and say, I'm not going to take – I want to take that, but I'm not going to because he's supposed to be under me. Under me, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. We build each other. Yeah. And that's that's just a management skill. I mean, my wife's the manager of an Ann Taylor, and we constantly – she even struggles with how do I let people do things more? You know, this is supposed to be my store and my job, and how do I do it? And then I have friends that have other businesses, and it's this constant struggle of how do I allow people to do more in a way that's going to benefit us all? Uh, you know, am I giving am I giving up my control in a positive way, negative way? It's always this weird balance. Working with people, man, it's hard. It's just hard to find that balance. And then you got customers thrown into the mix too, and their opinions about things and all that shit. Yeah, we li- and then you know we live in this world of. Uh you know, writing reviews and quick to, you know, like, I, I mean, some guys in corporate America, if they have a bad day at work, maybe they need to take a, an ash reaming from like a superior boss, or maybe he's <laughs> got to go into me and me, I'm in the general public, I give a bad haircut, or if one of my barbers just, you know, doesn't talk to a client the right way, or doesn't say something the right way, they're like, boom, man, I went into Swagger and Blade, and I just, t- you know, Tommy did this, and he talked to me like this, and then I got a negative review. I've had people, the weird one like on Facebook reviews, I have a bunch of one-star reviews from people from other countries that don't even speak English. Well, yeah, now we live in a, in a world of attack from your competitors. Or but they're your... not my competitors. They literally were just randomly hitting buttons, and I ended up getting one-stars. Like, and I hit them. I'm like, I don't know you. Why did you give me a one-star? And it's like, okay. I'm like, ah! <laughs> Please take that down. Yeah. Or then you get a competitor who actually puts fake reviews yeah. up because they're trying to touch. That's why I really don't. I don't. I don't. I care, but I don't care. I definitely don't lose sleep over it. No, I shouldn't. Because because it's like, just eat you alive. Yeah, and listen, we also grew up in the '80s where you know. <laughs> If you had an issue with someone, it was behind shop right at 530. You know, now everybody's quick to write a review. So if your business, no matter what it is, can be destroyed over reviews, then you weren't that good at what you were doing. Or you don't have the skills to be a leader. Right. Because as a leader, you've got to allow that stuff to Absolutely. Roll. Just continue to be good at what you do. And in the end, hey, 20 years here. Yeah. March was 20 years. That's awesome. How many times have I had the newest guy open right. up that they said, oh, this champ, that champ, this big guy, that guy, you're going to be out of business, whatever. Okay, the majority of them are have come and gone. It's usually about a six-year lifespan. Most of them live, and they're either working for somebody else or in a smaller space or the whole world's really changed on them. But the flavor of the month has been supposed to be putting me out for 20 years. I'm still doing you know, what I do. You know and another, I'm going to Rio next week, so yeah, fuck off. <laughs> exactly. And you know what resonates with anybody and anything, whether it be fighting or whether whatever your career is, if you can, if you perceive yourself as what you're doing as a thoroughbred racehorse, a thoroughbred racehorse doesn't look to the left or no. to the right. He ain't concerned about what the horse is doing to the right or to the left. You know he got his eyes on? The finish line. Yep. Get behind me or get out of my way. I always had the one, the lion one always stuck with me. The lion doesn't go into the jungle and go, the lion's here, the lion's here. 
just walks through and everybody knows he's the lion. Right. You know, right. everybody shuts up real fast. Right. You know, when the real killers are in the room, you know. Right. Yeah. So longevity matters, being good at what you do matters, and having an honest relationship with your community matters. And the people that are falling prey to the negative reviews or the people that are talking shit that never even met you, who cares? Who cares? Because when they do meet you, they'll figure it out real fast. Yeah. Figure it out real fast. They're either going to stay farther away from you and keep talking shit, or they're going to shut up. Right. Or they're going to ask you for a job. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or training. Yeah. You know? I can't. It's. I have a couple guys in particular who used to talk mad shit about me. I had no idea who I was. And then I was like, yo, why do you always talk shit about me? And just by even bringing it up, started a conversation where they thought a little bit different. They're like, well, everybody said he was whatever. Why is he talking to me? Like, not trying to kill me. And I was like, yo. And I ended up training a bunch of them. And we had, like, yeah. good things came out of it. You just, I, I don't need approval. But I'll question, if I know somebody standing in front of me that said bad things about me and I know they don't know me, I'll throw it out like, yo, you don't know me. Why, why are you saying what you're saying about me? Man? Yeah. You have an opinion based on, like, no information. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you care to know the truth or not? Like, we can figure this out if you want. We can figure it out a lot of different ways if you want. (laughs) I'm real easy to find. (laughs) You know, there's gloves here all the time. You know, we can talk about it or we can work. I don't care. You know, or I'll put my pads on and I'll show you what I really got. Because that's how I really show you the truth nowadays. Fuck. I just had Teed here. Teed's, I'm actually, I don't, he doesn't hit that many times, but Teed's 270 pounds. So I'm actually like, I, I feel it. <laughs> He's a big boy. Heavyweights are a different breed of cat yeah. to hold for. And Carl, forget it. Holding for Carl just sucks. Everything hurts after I can't that. wait for his fight coming up, man. I know. I, I just, it's been so exciting to watch his journey, man. I'm, I'm, and you've been there. You were yeah. a supporter. Hell you helped yeah, us man. out from the beginning. You were a sponsor of Carl's, and we've never forgotten that. I love, I love, to, I love watching his journey, man. I'm, 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 he's actually in my prayers. I pray for his success. And we really appreciate that. And, you know, we... It's what's cool is again. Um, how old are you again? I don't mean to throw ahead of us. Think about that. I'm 42. All right, I'm 44. We're in the same striking distance. Yeah. But it's really crazy how many guys I see in this 40 to 45 bracket that are real passionate about things. The ones that survived were all in that that Phoenix phase. It's even Tommy from Tattooville. He was on here. We, uh, trade wins. Whew, yeah. Fuck that one up. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Tradewinds, Tradewinds tattoo. Tommy from Tradewinds was here, and we were talking, and same shit, man. It's one of these ones. It's the longevity. We're all he's forty four now, also, and just we've been doing what we've been doing a long time, and yeah. just get to that point where you know the 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 foolish shit fell off, maturity sunk in, yep. really fell more in love with what we do, and passing it on to the next guy, and it's just it's that cool cycle. Yeah, I remember being the young guy in the room. Now I'm the old guy. Yeah, it's crazy. You remember I'm embracing when, it though. I'm enjoying it. I think the 40s have been really good to me so far. I mean, I'm excited to see where the rest of them go. Yeah. Uh, I finally at 40, from 40 to 42 right now. I love everything in my life. I love my wife. I love my children. I love what I do for a living. I love the guys I do it around. I love the car I drive. I love the truck I drive. I love the motorcycle I drive. I work hard at doing what I, I love everything. Yeah. I used to hate everything. I used to hate everything. I used to hate everything and everybody. And, and you never had any of the shit that you and wanted. It, and it never got me anywhere. Yeah. Now I've turned it over the other way. I'm paying it forward. Um, you know, you know, involved in interacting and, and with people and, and just trying to be positive and it's all coming back full circle and all that positiveness and all that goodness and all that love is in my life. It's great. 
it was funny talk about paying attention to detail one thing that whenever we talk about paying attention to detail there's one thing that always comes out to me you were talking about making your own hair product line mm-hmm. and <laughs> your greatest struggle was that you couldn't get it to smell like whiskey and motor oil yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow that is yeah. that's a whole I'm, nother I'm level still, of thought. I'm still on that. I'm still on that. There's gonna be a swagger and blade pomade. It's gonna look like motor oil and it's gonna smell like fuel, tobacco, <laughs> and just man. That's fucking awesome. I love that. That's that's just that attention, man. I I see I feel like the way I look at people moving is the way you look at your creative process and it's pretty cool yeah there's so many parallels i see like when i talk to you i always it's always it's always interesting for me because it just it always sparks more self-reflective stuff because you're on the exact same path just a different arena Mm -hmm. and that's why i feel so good about the people i have in my life right now i have so many good people like i got past that point where i don't i don't feel like i have any enemies i'm sure i do but i don't care anymore about anyone outside of that positive circle and i and it just keeps pulling in new people i keep making better and better friends every day like all these people i'm interacting with that are just there's all these young energetic people that are trying to do new things and i'm just like fuck the one thing i i used to always hate is the old people i hate on young people Mm. and i just refuse to allow myself to be that guy i feel like every day when i when i come across a young guy he may be an idiot but i have to be for him the guy i needed when i was that age yes that's exactly what i do with my my employees like these young guys that i have these Joey, who's 23, uh, Vinny, who's 25, you know, these young guys, and I'm giving them opportunities that I didn't have. Yep. You know, like they, they, they came on board to work at Swagger and Blade, and they're booked, man. They're booked. I didn't have that. I had to work in all these different barbershops, build a clientele, finally build a clientele, and then go tell the owner to go fuck himself because yeah. I got in an argument with him, and then I have to start at ground zero all over again in some other barbershop. You know what I mean? So I'm creating opportunities, and, and I'm giving them raises, and I'm taking care of them the way that I never had. Yeah, I came up in a karate culture where... They got treated like shit, and it was almost like their time. They were waiting to get their rank so they could treat the next generation like shit. And I kind of fell into it for a second, but it wasn't really me. And there wasn't, I didn't find value in it. And the community turned on me because I wouldn't do it. Mm. It was crazy because I went against that culture and I said, no, we're humans and we have to be human and we can't deny our humanity for some fucked up caste system you created yeah. that has no value to it yeah. outside of you know self-perpetuation i mean it was just one big circle jerk man it was yep. ridiculous and i was like you gotta treat people well and you've got to be supportive and you got to help people grow not just stay in this weird lane i see it a lot now i i uh i see a lot of it still in gym culture it drives me nuts mma man it's just such a I talk to Carl's manager all the time. I'm like, how the hell are we in this business, man? Yeah. It's just so grimy at times. I bet. The fight game, not too many people fight for a living because they're okay. Right. Like, There's something wrong with your wiring if you decide that that's what you want to do. And I'm not slighting anyone for it. This is my business. I'm glad you found your outlet. And I'm glad you found your home. And I'm happy to be a part of it because there are a lot of people that – their wiring is such that if they weren't doing this, I'd be afraid of what they would be doing. Mm. Like this is an opportunity for them to get a life that it would be very hard for them to get. And that's their path. That's why they're in that. Yes. Those are the dudes that should be there. But the guys around those people that are trying to profit off of them and pull from them. And and you know what? Look at what kind uh, of people they are. Yep. And look what they have and don't have and how 
that, any of them come uh, and go. Anthony uh, Joshua is manager. I think that dude's uh, a snake, bro. You should set that fight up with Deontay. You bullshitting. You bullshitting. Yeah. They don't want it because they want to take a couple more bucks and fill out that arena. And, you know, listen. Yeah. He's top villains in the U.K. Uh, Deontay's top villains here. Make it happen. The one thing when it comes down to combat sports, there's double. it's a dual-edged sword for me. There's a part of you that wants to win belts, but then the reality of the people involved is make as much money as you possibly can because you have such a small window. Yeah. The only problem is is that when you have so many people with hands in your pocket, the decisions are being made. How are they going to fill their pockets? And you just have to be always aware. And you can never – Just it's sad to say this, but you can never fully trust anybody but yourself in the fight game yeah. because you're the one that's going to go bleed out there. Okay. A lot of guys are going to get you ready. A lot of people are going to help you. But at the end of the day, it's you in there. You're the one who gets locked in. You're the one who climbs through the rope. You're the one who has to do the work. You're the one who has to bleed. And you're the one who has to live the rest of your days with the punishment that you take. It sure would be nice, though, if Deontay Wilder, bronze bomber, brings it home. See, I. that's where it's – if. I think they would actually want that fight to happen just from a legacy perspective, and I wish the marketplace would reward that the way it should be. Yeah. That's yeah. the way it is, and yeah. that's where the culture of it, if that would change, it would be better. And that's where I was kind of going with that. It was like you have to understand what you want your legacy to be. You have to make the dollar that you want, and you can't allow these people that have never fought that are just looking to make a fast buck – You've got to try and push the culture of boxing. And it goes back to passing it on to the next because like May, the Mayweather effect on boxing, the money effect, really changed culture of boxing. Yeah. Yeah. It changed how matches were made. It changed how people got paid. It changed a lot of things. And it worked out for three or four guys in a division, right. but the rest of the division, you know, it's protecting careers, right. building up numbers, weird right. shit. It's less authentic. And that's right. why boxing fell off for so long. Right. But it's embracing a little bit more of the spectacle aspect of it. MMA really taught boxing a few things. Sure. MMA doesn't make shit money compared to boxing, which blows my mind still. Yeah. MMA, as big as it is, people expect, like, once you're on TV, you're a billionaire. I'm like, no, 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 no. Carl lives at home. Yeah. Sorry, Carl. Yeah. But he lives at home, you know, drives yeah. a used car. Yeah, for now. He stays on path. He's got a great opportunity. And it should be that way. I mean, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be making fuck you money if you're coming out of nowhere. got to be something. I mean, it's not the NFL. People try and compare it to the NFL. Combat sports do not have a scholastic program to develop you from, <laughs> you know, grade school through high school into college with all this infrastructure and everything. In boxing and MMA, they don't own the arena. It's not a team. Right. It's individuals. You know, Mayweather breaks his hand and can't fight. You don't have a backup Mayweather. <laughs> right. Mayweather doesn't have a franchise that owns an arena. You know, the, the New York Giants make more money. It's funny. Somebody was talking about the valuation of the UFC and how guys should get paid more. The New York Giants individual team has a higher valuation than the UFC has as an organization. Wow. That's why they can pay what they pay. And that's why collectively the NFL can pay what it pays. You can't pay NFL money to these guys right now. Maybe one day. I don't know. It's weird. There's a union thing going on right now. A woman, Ashley Smith, she her opponent didn't make weight in the UFC in Atlantic City. And... She's been trying to do this. This Project Spearhead is trying to get fighters unionized. And her opponent didn't make weight, and she refused to fight. She had one fight on her contract, and that was supposed to be it. So they paid her, showing her win money, and said, we're going to act like you fought. Just take your money and go away. And they're not going to renew her contract. They want her involved. And she's going to take the UFC to court now. And 
what she's trying to do is the fighters for the UFC are not employees. They're outside vendors. So they get 1099 or whatever it is. So she's saying, though, because of the rules and the way that they, they operate, everyone really is an employee. And once that happens, then the fighters would actually be allowed to unionize and the UFC wouldn't be able to legally do anything to screw up them unionizing because as employees, every group pool of employees has a right to create a union. It's one of the protections of government. So that could happen. The UFC could end up getting unionized. I'm pro and con about it. I think the UFC is the best payday, the best organization. I think they have the highest profile of fights. I think guys are making way more money doing that than they could in any other organization. I am definitely pro what the UFC is doing. Is it perfect? No. Are there better ways they can compensate guys? Sure. But they give you the best path to a really good living in the community today. And I think a union would kind of fuck that up because it would cause guys to get paid less because the the pool of dollars would get spread out more. I, I So I think you get paid less in the long term, yeah. which I think takes away the incentive a little bit. That's why in unions and I sometimes I get a little weird on the union thought because the guys that run unions tend to be looking for their paychecks, not for the best interest yeah. of the people under them. So it gets a little weird. Unions have done great things. Don't get mad at me and fucking tweet me that I'm a dickhead because I don't like unions. But I see the value of it to a point, but I don't know about fighting. And boxing, could you imagine if all of a sudden they made these guys go by like some unified – overall system i mean it would change the whole landscape yeah it'd be weird i don't know boxing's interesting i think there's i think everyone said boxing was dead but i think it's still there and i don't think it'll ever go away no there's something about western culture and boxing and even eastern culture embraces it pretty heavily too but in terms of money south america too has a huge fan base for boxing there's just so much money in it i don't know something about boxing as a man it's just such a it really is a man thing. Yeah, for sure. It's way different. MMA, everybody could say, because of the different skills you can do, you have a lot of people that say, oh, you can hit a guy on the ground, that's dirty. <laughs> you know, boxing, it's, you just put those gloves on, you stand toe-to-toe, and you can punch each other in the head until somebody drops. It's yeah. different. It's, uh, it, just, it just speaks to a, a primitive male thing. Right, know. like uh, if you, if you were to chop a tree down, you would have to with an axe. You you chip away at it. You chip away at it. Chip away at it. That's boxing. Yeah. Where in boxing, there's no axe that could take a tree out with one shot. Did you mean MMA? Where we or saying? MMA? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like it, or or being that MMA. You know, there's more of that lights out element to it. You know, where boxing is like a slow scientific chess match. You know. You know how you know reading body language and you know countering and you know it's just kind of such a narrow focus so you yeah. can go so deep on those little things did you ever see that uh video where there were it was a bot they would box for a round and then play chess for a round no oh dude it's fucking nuts but it's it's was that in russia yeah it's, not, <laughs> it's yeah, gotta be in I russia it was <laughs> they do like they do MMA on an obstacle like the course. Guys, in it was learning how to you know control your emotions, yeah. think methodically, and you know if you think about it, it's crazy because your emotion fighting and then sitting down trying to beat the same guy that you that was trying to beat yeah. you with your physicality <laughs> now with your brain. You know it was it was cool. That is, you know, the funny thing is with um, so creativity is something that I find. When I'm being creative, my life is most in balance. And the funny one was that when I was, I would either have to paint or draw or train. The cre- yeah. the energy was the same for me the whole time. Mm. Like people didn't understand that. They're like, oh, you go from being like a bludgeoned to like this fine artist. I'm like, no, no, no. 
I look at fighting the same way I do art. It's the same process for yeah. me. It's, again, same process, different arena, same satisfaction for me. So as long as I'm staying in this lane where I'm physically creating in, in combats or I'm physically creating through actual creativity of art or whatever, it was always the same thing for me. And that's why it, doesn't, it never surprises me when I find somebody that I see is creative, a business builder, whatever, has a career with boxing or kickboxing or something in it. I mean, you had a you had a you had an interesting boxing career. You boxed yeah. in uh, you were a heavyweight boxer, right? I was cruiserweight in the cruiserweight army. Cruiserweight in the and army. And uh, got out of service, moved out to Brooklyn. Was living on Van Brunt Street, training at Gleason's gym. Had a short-lived amateur career and a very short-lived pro career. But again, it was uh, I had a lot of piss and vinegar in, in me. I was a good athlete. Yeah. I was trainable. But I, I didn't love it. I didn't say, like, this is it. You know, if, if boxing don't work, I'm going to, this is it. This is all I got. You know, I knew I had other talents in my back pocket. But we also know, anyone who knows you knows that that is it. It's a very big part of you. You still have boxing gloves hanging in your shop. Absolutely. I love. I it's love, your identity. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're you're an Army vet boxer barber who drives motorcycles. Yeah. I love combative <laughs> and combustional things. It's so funny. The one thing I found too, did you find this? Because we both said that it's very hard to take direction. Was boxing the one thing taking direction was easy? Taking direction was easy. Um, Easier. Yes. I always found yeah. fighting. I could always listen to a coach in fighting, yeah. but I couldn't listen to anybody anywhere right. else. Absolutely. The craziest I thing. I agree. I don't know why it just that resonated. is. resonated. Yeah. Is it, I don't know. Maybe it was because that's the one thing. What made you go to it? Like what, what attracted you to boxing? Um, I think what attracted me to it was the ability to um, get get an opponent's um, respect and the ability to um, answer some questions. Yeah. That's, it's crazy how many, like, we all kind of go to the same one. You don't put yourself in a position where somebody could really get fucked up without wanting to know, am I the guy who's going to get fucked up or not? Like, we need to know that. Like, yeah. There's this primitive thing inside of us that makes it, can we do this? Yeah. Can I physically handle myself? Yeah. Can I break another human being? Can another human being break me? Yeah. I don't know why I need to know it, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I think my father kicking my ass my whole life also, you know, put uh, put this, you know, tough toughness in me. It was just in me. But it was a question mark. It was toughness with a question mark. Right, right. I knew I, I, knew I had a good chin, and I... I knew I had physical ability. I was a good football player. I was a good wrestler. So I wanted to see if I would make a good boxer. Yeah, I, it was weird. I, w- I always knew I was tough, but I still had to fight. There was still a question that only fighting could do. And I guess for me too, full contact fighting was an arena that nobody else in my life had any experience with. So it was my test. Yeah. Like I knew I was tough. I knew I could play baseball. I knew I could run. I knew I could jump. I knew I could do all those things. And I knew I could fight cause I've been doing martial arts since I was six, but full contact fighting, prize fighting took it to a different level. And even the karate I came up with, they didn't understand that level of it. Like nobody that I grew up with ever had that. That was and getting my, over that, my test. that fear, 
that fear oh, yeah. is, is, is an art form in itself. I mean, it started at a young age with me with, with fighting on the street. Yep. Like, I remember, like, when I used to fight kids, like, you know, oh, Shane and Joe Ray are fighting today on, <laughs> on Hemlock at 4 o'clock. And I remember getting ready for that fight and that nauseous feeling that I had inside my body. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to go fight Joe Ray. He was, like, the biggest, toughest kid. And I had to do it. Yeah. I had to do it. And, the fact that we all walked there and his friends were walking there and my friends were walking there and they're pumping me up and his friends are pumping me up. And when me and him met face to face, it all went away. Yeah. And then we just started kicking each other's ass. And this shit really happened on a weekly basis in my childhood. These kids today don't know anything about that. No. It's fucking no. nuts to me. Everybody needs to get punched in the face at least once. They need to get punched in the face at 12 years old. If you haven't been punched in the face yet at 12, then... I don't know, man. It blows my mind how many people will have a violent reaction to that statement. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm sorry, but sorry. It teaches this, this it's conflict is part of life. If you yeah. don't, if you can't, like, we can have an argument, but it's different. Animals don't have the ability to talk like we do. No. So a warm-blooded male mammal, take a bear or a lion, for instance, right? And when a, when a mother is teaching a lion a cub to not do something, he doesn't say, or she doesn't say, hey, sweetie, I don't want you to do that. No, she whacks it with her paw. Yeah. So it's a physical um, action and a reaction. <laughs> and then it, it's a lesson and it's taught. Yes. So back to the, you know, I'm not saying every kid needs to go out and pick a fight with someone to, you know, learn something in life. But you know what? It taught us certain things in life. And there's you know. not a human being alive that's not, as a youth, there's not, school will put you in a position at some point where you have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And, and when you're in a culture that teaches people not to stand up for themselves and go ask for help from the teacher, you're not creating leaders. You're not creating strong people. Right. You have to stand up for yourself. I mean, that's the... I mean, I just saw on the news yesterday that colleges are creating cry rooms. I saw that too. Are you kidding me? Do you that think there's cry rooms being too. created in, in colleges in Russia? No. 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 What are we doing? What are we doing? I don't believe in safe spaces, man. Safe space, cry room. What are you kidding me? And I, I the one, everybody's like jumping on guys like Jordan Peterson and stuff like that. And they call them alt-right. I'm like, there's nothing alt-right about a person that is standing up for the actual freedoms that we have. Like the, Jordan Peterson, anyone who knows him, go look him up, Google. I don't need to go into the details. But his main argument was there's no such thing as free speech in Canada. And they're actually dictating speech. And people are saying, oh, you don't go to jail for using the wrong gender pronoun. What his point was, if you use the wrong gender pronoun in certain situations, you can get a ticket. And if you don't pay for the financial fine on that ticket, there is the opportunity you could go to jail. So technically, you can go to jail for using the wrong pronoun, right. which is in the United States, we're free to say what we want to a degree. You can't yell fire in a, in a crowded theater. But, you know, I am not pro-white nationalist. I'm not pro a lot of things. But... In a free society, you have to take the good with the bad. Mm. People have to be allowed to say what they want to say. We have to have the ability to debate these ideas so that we can come to real, logical, practical solutions. And when you have thought police all the time and we don't have the ability to debate and kids that are in school, school is where you learn. And the only way you learn is by speaking about ideas. And mm. when you tell them that ideas can't be spoken about because they're offensive, well, that's offensive to me. The ability to have free speech comes with the responsibility of being able to actually speak about things. Mm. You can't shut it down. And that's that's where I that shit drives me nuts. Like, you're gonna have a cry room? Well, 
I should have the ability to make fun of you for going in the crying room. <laughs> we used to have a phrase on my old gym in Asbury. We had it on the wall. It said, if you're going to cry, please go outside. We're still working. <laughs> it's funny. When, I get weird when people cry. I, I, have, I have a tough time with it. I, uh, it depends. Yeah. It depends. I mean, my kids, it's a different story. But um, w- when I see someone crying in a situation that I feel that is invalidating it's not, crying, it's not I get weird. I get like, oh, God. It's when like train wreck TV. I can't When people cry it. over politics, forget it. Yeah. Give me a break. When everybody was crying when Hillary lost, I'm like, are yeah. you kidding me? Do you really think that the presidential election really affects your daily life to that degree? Right. That you have to live and die by the right and left system that we've right. got? While we all really live in the fucking middle. Right. Like, seriously, as a business person, we are dead smack in the middle right. we have to be i mean it just oh that's it drives me nuts and i it was it, here it's funny because that cry room went around stein came in this morning and was saying something along those lines and and then i made fun of him and he was like oh that's the way it's gonna be and i was like you do realize this gym is like backstage at a comedy show when a bunch of comedians drinking and hanging out they ruin each other Ever see comedians together? Yeah. They wreck each other. This is a free fire zone. There's no fucking safe space here. Right. We will make fun of everything. And I actually, there was That's kind of how we are at the shop, the guys. We're always, you know, joking around. But we trust each around. other to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. And we don't take it to Seriously, heart. Right. It's, a, it's almost like a creative contest of who could rip who the hardest. Right. Like, how far can you go with this? Yeah. It's an... We're in a space where we trust each other enough, we don't care, and it's a free fire zone. There's a book I read once about a Buddhist sect in Japan that they literally rip each other a new asshole to teach each other the, the lack of importance of words. How words and ideas are just things created by man, and the only value that they have are what we interpret the value to be. So if I call you a derogatory term, it doesn't have value if you don't take it as derogatory. So if, if I call you a pussy, if you think you're a pussy or you fight that word, well, you just gave it value. If you just let it go and not care about it, who cares? So they literally would challenge each other all the time. They just made fun of each other all the time. And it was literally to desensitize them to the, to the value of words because they were like, it doesn't matter. It's like mm-hmm. breathing, sleeping, eating, our relationships matter. These stupid things we say that we let get in the way, that we create these yeah. abstract barriers are not necessary. And it was an idea. And I find with pushing guys in training, I will – go after guys sometimes verbally in training because I want to push them because I want to see if I can break them because if I can break them somebody else is going to break them out there mm-hmm. and if I can't break them they're going to be strong enough to go do all the hard things we got to do I, I, I definitely feel that you know the getting punched thing yeah everybody needs to have to deal with a physical conflict at some point just to at least know how many guys do you see in the bar that have never been hit that act like the toughest guy in the room oh man we could solve a lot of that by actually letting something happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So, Shane, I really enjoyed having you in here. We've been going for a while. Thanks for having me. We all have things we still have to do. Throw out some stuff where people can find your shop. Um, what's your website, your social, yeah. that kind of stuff? So, swaggerandblade.com, and you can find both locations there. Or you can find us on Instagram, Swagger and Blade, all spelt out, and Facebook as well. You can book from the Instagram, your appointment. You could book from Facebook, or you could book from the website, all from your mobile phone. Look forward to seeing you. You do a lot of really cool stuff on Instagram, too. You do a lot of stories. You do the videos. Yeah, like, just try and portray who we are, what we're about, yeah. what, what kind of services you can get, the haircuts you can get, shaves, stuff like that, wedding parties. And if you go and if you do go, go through the website and you go through the social, it does show... Uh, 
a, a different take on how to promote a barbershop. You guys really go into the cultural aspect of what you do, and you guys really do reflect who you are. Yeah. One thing I find with business is that a lot of people promote themselves to be one thing, and then when you get there, the experience is something else. Yeah. The one thing with you, there's continuity all the way across, <laughs> which is very cool because that, that's – that's the trust factor that your consumer creates with you yeah. because it's the same all the way across. You never promote yourself to be something you're not. Consistency. And that's, that's cool. And yeah. that's why we're friends and why I trust you to cut my hair and to come on and talk about your shit because I find a lot of value in it. So that was a lot of fun, man. I really Thank did you. enjoy this. This is Brian Wright. You can find me at brianwright732.com, brianwright732 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the gym at CSA. Dot com also killer bcsa on instagram and twitter we're on facebook all that shit you can listen to all of our episodes at thehivecast.com and i want to throw a shout out to some of the people that make this possible sucker punch entertainment they've been with us from the beginning gave us some great connections we've got uh, pure spectrum cbd we have carl is now officially part of the mph fight team mph the they have a tremendous line of nutritional support, protein, vitamins, all that stuff. Carl has this one thing he found. They have this pudding. It's like it's, – it, it tastes like chocolate pudding, but it's like a protein thing. Mm. It's amazing, and it's like helped him. I got to check it out. Yeah, he's, he's killing a lot of the, the cravings by doing that. And the coolest relationship we've gotten as of late, a new one, is Thrive. Uh, sports recovery in Spring Lake. I've got a ton of problems from doing the things I do. I get beat up every day, holding pads. It's a car accident every day. They did some things on my back and neck the other day. It was the first time I could move my head to the right in about a year, and that was one treatment. So I'm hooked, and I'm filtering a lot of people there. So you should check them out, Thrive in Spring Lake. So uh, I've said enough. Shane, I think you've said it all. I think we're good. So this is Shane Bruno with Brian Wright on the Hivecast. We are out.